thanks so much for joining me on another episode of Unabashedly Real and Creative, where you'll get honest advice from a real creative on what it's like to live and work as one today. My name is Jared Kessler, your host. So on today's show, I have a really great guest by the name of Melinda Livesey. She has a company called Marks and Maker. She is a brand strategist who I've gotten to know for the past few months. Really great. Talk about a lot of cool stuff, including the golden ratio, mimicking biology, and taking from nature some um, just design inspiration as a whole, as well as what kind of stories to tell to land clients, as well as how to deal with people criticizing your work online, not to mention green bananas. What do we mean by that? So we're going to talk about that and so much more. So without further ado, let's get Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Unabashedly Real and Creative. My guest today is Linda Livesey from Marks and Makers. Welcome. I'm excited to have you on first kind of like screen thing. I know people like are, um, you know, it's very audio um, centric. So I figured we'll try this one. We'll see. I like talk, you know, we talk face to face a lot too. It's so much better. Um, I don't know. I I feel like uh, people could like make faces and say dumb and weird shit like, um, you know, and mute things you can't hear. It's, <laughs> it's all going to be seen. Um, so anyway, um, so for those that don't know you, like, let's kind of just jump into it. Tell us like a little bit about yourself, um, how you got started as like a brand strategist. And I know Marks and Makers who just um, relaunched. Um, so kind of give us like a, a quick kind of breakdown and, you know, maybe from like just the, like growing up, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like what were you kind of into and how did you kind of get to where you are now? Uh, yeah. Wow. So the the brief overview of my life up until now <laughs> um, started out drawing, you know, as a kid drawing a lot of origami and I would sell origami flowers to my grandma specifically. Cool. <laughs> she supported my creativity from a young age. So oh, that was wow. awesome. I know grandma, man. She's awesome. Um, and the crazy part is when she passed away and we were, we were uh, cleaning out her apartment, mm. I found origami flowers. I was like 20 something at the time when she passed oh my away. Gosh. And I saw she still had the origami flowers that I had sold her when I was a kid, which was amazing. Um, so yeah, she definitely supported that. My whole family did. I mean, my whole family is artistic. They're either, I have a concept artist in my family. Um, oh, wow. Everyone's a musician. They sing, they paint. I have another graphic designer in the family. So I grew up with that, you know, it was either creativity or music, something like that. I played the piano. I taught piano. Um, so I always had that in me, you know, that creative side, but then I also was, um, very, I I was into math. I like logic puzzles. So I use both sides of my brain, which design was the natural, um, the natural thing for me to choose because it's both creative, but it has a purpose. And so that's where that would just got me. Like once I learned that, once I learned what design was, then 
I realized that was totally for me. So um, I went to college for illustration. Oh, cool. And when I found out about graphic design in one of my typography classes, that's when I made design my main focus. So I still emphasized in illustration, but then I added graphic design. And then I realized that was, that's what I wanted to do. Um, from there, I worked at Oakley for almost, right. gosh, on and off for seven years. So I worked in marketing advertising department, the main graphics department there. So we did right. all the catalogs, you know, retail displays anything as far as marketing advertising is concerned. I freelanced for retail, um, did a lot of retail displays, PR stuff. And then I got, um, I got roped into their branding department. So it was a small team of four and we worked on special projects. We worked on packaging. We worked on all the different kinds of logos because they put, they name each of their eyewear and they would put the logo in, inside the stem and they work on uh, doing the logos for that. We had packaging. We did the the goggle strap art that you would see on any of the goggle straps. We did collections. Um, so it was really cool to be working on product too. Right. Um, and then from there, they actually dissolved our creative de- department. Mm-hmm. So we all got laid off. Um, and then was this? this was almost three years ago. So 2015 mm-hmm. in the summer yeah. of 2015. And I had always freelanced on the side. So I always had like a side gig going on. And then I figured, well, this is the perfect time because I kind of was forced into it. So either I look for another full-time job or I just start my own thing. So that's when Marks and Maker, um, that came about about six months after uh, I left Oakley. And and so, yeah, Marks and Maker has been now, I guess, two years that I've been building to be a brand, really a brand strategist. What's so wild is that is a few things. What's wild is that we kind of started and went off on, you know, it's funny because I have a similar story, you know, in terms of like freelanced, you know, on and off for so long, you know, and then um, got laid off and I think it was January of 2016. Yeah. January of 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. And then it was just like for a few months, I was like, I don't know. Do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? I was tired of the whole work for six months a year, get laid off because some dude lost an account. And like, so then I I was like, you know, I told my wife, I said, I'm not going to start it unless it's worth it, you know? Um, Because we talked about this whole debt free thing that I've been on for like 10 years. Um, And, you know, at a client come and then they paid me three months of like what I like living expenses, basically. That's how I look at things. Um, But it's kind of interesting. But what I think what's interesting with you, I don't really have a supportive family. Like I wanted to go to art school, but I thought it was cool. I didn't know that like the origami thing is really cool. Like I remember that kind of, you know, the you're talking about like the paper, little tiny, cool, intricate little things. Um, but your whole family are like artists. And so it's kind of like you had the support since day one. How, how much do you think that impacts like you to where you are now? You know what I mean? Oh gosh. I think that had a massive impact. Like me, it's all I ever knew. 
My mom was like the most supportive mom ever. She's like, if you want to do that, awesome. You want to play the piano? Cool. Like she never forced my, me or my brother to do anything. She wasn't, you know, pushing us to take on a ton of stuff. It was like, Hey, if you have an interest in that, sure. I'll pay for lessons for you. Let's try it out. Um, and then when, when I wanted to go into illustration, graphic design, she's like, awesome. That's what you want to do. Like whatever it was that I wanted to do, she supported. And so that's massive. I think that's, that's huge. And I, that, that that's all I ever knew. So yeah, yeah. Her for granted. But, but yeah, it was, it was crazy. And then having a family that is like that it, again, it's all I've ever known. Like I've grown up with my cousins that were artistic and, and I always wished we had like a lawyer or a doctor in the family. <laughs> a couple <laughs> right. engineers, you know. but, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, not a, that. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Because I, you know, but I think what's different, where did you grow? You're not like LA, I think is a little bit different, right? Because everybody grows up in LA is like live your dream, whatever, but you didn't, you're in LA now, but. Well, Orange where County. Is, where, where, but where'd you grow up? Orange County. Oh, you did grow up in Orange County. Okay. Fullerton went to high school there, went to college there. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's kind of funny. It's different because I'm from New Jersey and like, like, well, I was born in New York, raised in Jersey. Right. So it was very much like, I always felt like an outsider. Like I was into music and all this stuff. And it's always like, yeah. When I think like the most creatives and people listening to this is that, you know, it's always like, um, that's cool. But you kind of like, that's cool. You want to do that. But, you know, you really need income coming in and like, do you know what I mean? So it's kind of fascinating. I almost want, I wonder what, where, how things would have changed or do you think things would have changed if you didn't have that support? Oh, I think so. Like if I had parents who, who said, oh, you'll never make any money at that. Like my parents never said that. I don't think I've ever heard that come out of their mouths because again, we've had, we have family members who do make a living and they're older. They were older than me. Yeah, so yeah. Already saw. It's like, well, yeah, yeah. we already seen this. And so they yeah, didn't even yeah, question yeah. it. Yeah. And my mom was always the one that said, well, if you want to do it, you can do whatever. She always would say, you can do whatever you put your mind to. If you want to do that, you can. I know you can. Yeah. So, and, yeah. Well, and I think different. it's different. Like what, like what year was that? Because I was born in 74, like the 80s. It's a little bit like it, it, it's different. And I, and I know we talked about it. I look a lot younger than I, I, I look. But growing up in... I grew up in the eighties. That was, that was like a very pie in the sky thing. Like that very different than today. So like around what year, like, I'm curious what year. I was born in 85. So I was okay. really growing up in the nineties. Okay. So a little bit more like it wasn't as pie in the sky, but I also, I think like graphic design and, and illustration, I think it's kind of different. Like I didn't discover copywriting until I was like 35, like really, I, and if I would have discovered it later, I would have been like, holy shit, like, I want to be like, this is what I need to be doing. But it's kind of interesting, like, where um, I, I think, like, if I went into graphic design, I think that was more like a career, do you know what I mean? Um, and, and like more of a viable career, it would seem like. And I think in the 90s, it maybe became a little bit more popular. I think like, yeah. but it seems like your parents, like even if you were like, hey, I just want to go to school, be like freaking like abstract paintings, shit like that. They would have been like, you want to do like that? That's cool. Yeah, they probably feel okay with it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they want a, 
uh, can they adopt me? <laughs> no, but like my parent, but you know, it's funny um, because I, I didn't have that support when I met my, my, what my girlfriend at the time who's, who's my wife and her parents were super supportive because they grew up in LA and her dad was a horse trainer. Um, and they always kind of did their thing. That was the first time I ever had like actual family support. My wife was like, yeah, do it. And I was like, what really? Like, uh, what? But but it it helps tremendously, right? Because I feel like, um, it you know it's it's different. It's just uh, there's not like wanting to do it and actually make a living doing it. I think are like kind of two different things, you know. Yeah, and I think there's a difference also between getting a full time job in it. Yeah. And then wanting to do it as an entrepreneur. So it's like first you get over the hurdle of actually yeah. getting into a creative career. Cool. Yeah. Then it's like, you want to start your own business? <laughs> you crazy? Like that's yeah. a whole other, another support yeah. system that you need because, yeah. oh my gosh, that's so well, hard. And doing, you know, and it's funny because like a lot of the people that I meet, like when I first started doing the freelance thing two years into it, I would just wanted to do it to get into my first ad firm. And I did that. But what I noticed is all the people in the ad firms, they, none of them really went out on their own. Like, because it's different doing doing the work and then getting people like selling people and getting clients and then doing that work. Like there's two separate things. So it's kind of interesting when you say, I wonder if like you went, you went to college for illustration, but you also had this, this interest in like math and like, which is kind of weird. Like I have the weird mixed, which is something similar where it's like, um, I believe in being just as creative as you are professional. And there's people that are like really heavily weighted on either. Mm-hmm. So where, like, where are you in that? Like, what, what, I mean, do you struggle with that, the balance of the business and the creativity and all that? Yeah, it's a, uh, I can do both. And I mean, usually one more than the other, but I, I feel like I ride right in the middle of between the left brain and the right brain. Yeah. But then I have to constantly switch. So it feels like a switch for me where so I don't funny. live in one area long yeah. that long before I'm switching to the other. And so it's like I'm working on the work and being a director or yeah. creative directing. And then I have to switch and do business operations or sales or crunching numbers. And <laughs> it's just a weird, like I constantly am switching between the two. Isn't it weird? Like I catch my, it's funny because when you say that, I think the reason why we work together well is I have that same thing. And I feel like I don't like, I don't necessarily really have a choice because I, I grew up without yeah. that a support. It's a little bit different than yours, but I, I like, I realized that like I read self-improvement books and tons of stuff to kind of like help me help myself. But then when my wife came along, it was kind of having that support, but at the same time, doing the attracting the work or getting the work or getting somebody on a call to close that deal, you know, and then cool. Then once you, once you have that, then you're like, Oh shit. Like now I got to do the work, but then you start doing the work and you're, you switch that part of your brain off, you know, and you just do the work. It's fascinating. Um, so how do you decide like, the brand strategy was your thing. Um, and like, it's kind of interesting now in talking to you, it seems like a perfect kind of mix because there's a lot of thought into it. Whereas design is like kind of creative and feeling 
uh, so I'm curious, like where that shift kind of came in um, for you. Well, when I was working full time, a lot of the projects that didn't necessarily have a well thought out brief would come to us and then they would tell us, just make it look cool. <laughs> and I was the one sitting there going, but why? Like, what, 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 what's the purpose? What's our yeah. strategy? And nobody could answer that for a few major projects. And I got so frustrated. And I was always going to be like, but why are we doing this? What's the point? Give me some kind of like target to hit. I need something because to me, that's like, I'm going back to like painting class. Like, cool. I'm just going to make something look cool. Like I can't, I can't physically do that or mentally I can't do it. Yeah. And so I knew I had this, like I was wrestling with that a lot. So when I went off on my own, I felt like, okay, well, I can actually work on things that have, I can work on things that have a purpose. And what I realized was I, I was doing, and I, I was doing strategic thinking without knowing it. And I was drawn towards that. And so when I, I ended up meeting Christo and getting on his show on YouTube for those who, who aren't aware of that, um, on the future. And he opened my eyes to this world of strategy um, where you actually bring your client in, you do discovery, you find out what their main problem is instead of just taking on whatever problem it is that they say they want. Like, hey, just design me a logo, do it like this. I want it by this time. Um, oh, and I need a website too. I need it five pages and whatever. Um, that he showed me the difference between being an order taker and being a strategist. And so when I saw that, I was thinking, oh my, like, this is what I was, this is what I was made for. This is just, it fits. And so once I learned how to do strategy through him, it's like the whole world opened up and I was all, that's what I was supposed to be doing. Like this whole time, that's why I was so frustrated. But I I, want to point out too, is that charging for it. Yes. Like, and, and that's the, that's the big thing. Cause for me, cause I was in, I was in Chris, uh, Christmas group as well, the future. Um, I was doing that from day one because I, I fell in love with like the old school, like doing the research, like, um, looking at customer surveys, like, uh, doing my own customer surveys, sending them out and really seeing like what people say about the company I'm writing copy for versus what the company is saying they are. And there's this huge disconnect and that opened my eyes super early to understand like, listen, what you say about your company and what other people say about you, there's two different things. And then leveraging the, what people are saying about them as the copy. And I started, you know, got a lot better results. Um, so I always took that kind of approach, but it's, it's fascinating um, how many people come to you and say, Oh, you know, I need this. I need a logo. And you know, what are we trying and, and backing up and saying like, well, what are we trying to do? Like, like what's the key business objective Mm -hmm. that we're really trying to do? Um, uh, what are you really about? What's so who are the people that resonate with you? Um, Mm -hmm. why did they like, yeah. And asking those questions, but I found too is like I was doing the strategy without really charging for it and I didn't even know like it was strategy you know yeah which is wild yeah Yeah, it's like we were doing it we didn't know we didn't know it was strategy so then I couldn't charge for something I didn't even know was different than what most people do 
And when I learned actually how to do it and build a framework around it, then it gave me a lot more confidence to say, hey, this is a completely different stage in the process and I can charge for it. And the other thing I want to bring up is that it's not my, I realized it was also not my client's fault for not realizing their problem. It was my fault for not being able to find that key business objective or find the problem they're having or find the goal. I didn't even know the questions to ask. Yeah. And so, and I've been in the client seat before where I do the same yeah. thing. I'm like, Hey, I need this. And, yeah, yeah, and the yeah. person's all, <laughs> yeah. uh, why? And I'm all, Oh yeah. <laughs> I was doing the same thing that right. I complain my clients do. So really it's on me to find that, find that problem. Now he, how easy or how hard do you think it is for you to like sell that? And, and it's weird. Cause like when I get on a call with a client, it's hard because naturally, I don't know, I just get into a kind of a sales thing, but I, I have to sometimes take a step back and be like, okay, I'm just on this call to help them. Like, what could I do to help? Like, what do you need help? Like, you know, but I'm curious for you from the, the brand strategy standpoint, because I think from bigger organizations that people are well-known, like, I, I think that people have to understand, like, we're like, this is stuff, mega businesses, Nike, um, every fortune 500 company does because they have an agency of record or whoever it does this now with technology, it's available to any size business. So it's almost like we're bringing these things that agencies have been doing for multi-billion dollar clients to everyone. Now we're taking that, we're giving it to like smaller businesses. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, like how easy or I just sold it for you. <laughs> take <laughs> yeah, that, record I'll, that, and uh, send yeah, it I'm gonna to take you. that, but, and then. <laughs> but how how easy or how hard is it? Um, yeah, to get people to understand and see the value of that. It's been a process for me. I'm still learning how to communicate that, and that's something Chris has been working on with me and in, in coaching me. But over the past, oh, how many months I've been doing it? Almost six months that I've been really focusing on strategy. Um, it's for one, it was learning how to do it and seeing the results that it gave my clients, because the more I saw the results that people were getting, the easier I could explain that to someone else. Well, here's the results of what we got before. Right. The other thing is, um, gosh, it, I've had, I, then I went through another cycle of showing visuals and how does, what does this actually look like? If we just work on deliverables, then you don't have anything behind it. And so there, there's a disconnect between the business and the customer. And then in talking with Chris, um, he, he's been trying to teach me how to tell stories in my sales, like in sales meetings, um, and aligning with my client that way to tap into their imagination and their emotions. Um, that's something I'm definitely working on, but it's, it's difficult for me to be able to articulate I understand and connect with, with brand strategy. It's still yeah. something I'm working on. Well, we talked about, and we worked through, because those who don't know, I ever copy for the, the new site. And we talked about building a bridge from business to brand. And we talked about like, um, I, I, I think sometimes what happens is people, you know, people see a price before they see the value. And the thing is with our intention span these days, it's hard to explain the value because they just 
nobody, everybody has ADD. Like, every, what is it? Eight seconds that people, I think I read people um, read a website for like eight seconds. And then if they're interested or not, like, I, I don't know, or just, just read stuff on their phone for eight seconds and whatever. Um, but it's interesting that I think that um, just trying to explain the value um, and get people to see that and how much work that's involved, um, then people kind of get it. And I always say for me, like people look at my stuff and like, oh, my, well, that that's expensive. No one that's hired me has ever said it was expensive, you know? Well, maybe one out of like the last 10 years, like, and they're a different story. But um, <laughs> like very rarely has somebody hired me as like, like, I don't, I don't know why I paid for this. Like, because they understand and they see just how much work goes into it. But that's kind of like, that's that's a challenge, you know, being able to educate people on the value. And when I talk about copywriting is how the value has to outweigh the costs. Yeah. Um, but people, but that's the challenge is that people don't have the time to kind of listen these days unless you kind of get them on the phone and, you know, all that stuff. Um, so like why brand strategy, like for you, I mean, why did you kind of go and, and I know, and you do a lot of other stuff too, that you don't really talk about. You like, you did the photography for my stuff. And, um, you know, I think that that's kind of like a line item addition to like brand strategy, but, um, well, let, let me, let me kind of segue and maybe it's a different question is like, cause I know I get obsessed over certain like things and like details and stuff sounding like not sounding right or sounding right. And, um, like what do you geek out over now? And I know you do the, um, the golden ratio thing, <laughs> and, uh, mm -hmm. So I'm curious, what do you kind of geek out over now and how does the, uh, is it relate to brand strategy? And That's a good question. The goal ratio, I would definitely say that's something I geek out over uh, once I learned about it. Um, and not only what I, once I learned about it, but also that in the design community, it's not talked about a ton. And I realized that it helped my design a lot when I learned it. And so I'm, figure I'm going to share with the other designers. A lot of them, there's some people that hate on it, which is totally fine, but that is something I geek out. Well, let's back up. What is the golden ratio for those? Oh, gosh. <laughs> go back to it cannot be explained. That. It's just, it cannot be explained. Well, the funny part is I'm so it's, visual that yeah. I can explain it better through visuals. Like yeah, if yeah. you were to see my studies, you could hopefully maybe not all, but you could understand what I was thinking. But if I had to articulate that. It's well, what would like, cause I saw on Instagram, like you doing these things and lining up like the house design, like yeah. right, that, the new house H O U Z Z has the, the H and it's aligned up in a certain way. So you connect this line to this line and, and all these straight lines and it measures up. And like, that's yeah. how you like, it, I, I think it's, you know, and it's kind of funny now in talking with you and knowing like a little bit more about like how you think, like what you've done earlier on, you know, math or creativity and just understanding like it's not just a logo or anything like there's a purpose. There's like reasons to all this stuff. The golden ratio thing seems to make sense as to why you like it. And me being the, the psychology major, like I love psychoanalyzing the shit, but it seems to kind of 
makes sense that that would be kind of a fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I love like, I love those geometric logic puzzles. Like I buy those kinds of books at Barnes and Noble just to, you know, I don't do word puzzles. I do more like if it's geometric shapes and I'm weird like that, but uh, the golden ratio, going back to what you, you were asking, what it was, it's just finding out ideal proportions and there it's said that it's ideal proportions found in nature. Mm. And I love the whole idea of biomimicry, like, like mimicking biology or anything in nature for things like business organizations for systems. Like there's so many things that we can take from nature and how it works and even how it looks. And because our eye sees it as some people say perfection, others say beautiful, but things that use perfect or ideal proportions are said to be more beautiful than others. Yeah. I I mean, like, I agree. I'm a fan of that. Like it's weird as a copywriter, I'm very visual. Um, I, um, I would love to be a designer, like, but I have no patience to kind of like learn that. I don't know who knows me. I will, I doubt (laughs) it, but, um, I know when certain, th- I, but but I could see, now I call myself a, a copywriter strategist, but I struggle with creative director because I'm so involved in the design of everything, of the words, you know, matching up and everything. But I really see like, I see what you mean, like with things matching up. And I know when things like look right, um, but sometimes to get it to where it is, to where it like it needs to be, it's that frustrating. But I always, mm-hmm. I always agree, like lining up certain things and spacing and layout, um, you know, it's huge. Yeah. And the more that I do these studies, like I'm not saying these designers actually use the golden ratio. I'm not trying yeah. to prove good design. Like a lot of people have asked, well, you do, you're just slapping it on to prove good design. I'm like, no, I'm actually just trying to find the golden ratio. Like literally I just like doing this. And it's interesting because the more I do this, the more my eye can see when something is a fraction of an inch off mm-hmm. a millimeter off, like I can see better now and I'll go back time and I something was so off and I couldn't see it before because I hadn't done all these studies but now it's just helping you see relationships between one shape or one proportion to another so I'm not hell-bent on you have to use the golden ratio or anything like that it's just a measurement tool for me to recognize things and then it's trained myself to see those minute little details that could be right and I think would, would you agree that we talk about being able to charge higher prices for certain things and why I've just been so anal with my new site is just paying attention to those details. Yeah. Yeah. So you're asking, are you asking? Oh yeah. I'm asking like, is it? Yeah. I mean, I, I see, I look at things when I talk to people and when I separate like out and explain like why I was so, um, uh, anal about like my site and how it looks and the pictures and you know the stuff is that I look at things like old we talk about old navy gap you know banana republic and um, there's a reason people go into old navy there's a reason people go into gap there's a reason people go into banana republic and and barney's new york and I use that as an example because I always felt like when I was trying to communicate to people it's like I always felt like my website was up for four years and I couldn't change it. I felt like the urban outfitters and I wanted to be, I felt like I was the Barney in New York, but what changed and what, what I think 
Now, what was great for me is like having the old website app and the show my wife, like, this is what I mean. See, like, this is what I mean. And they get it. And mm-hmm. I think what it is, is that I always believe, I like that guy Dieter Rams or whatever, um, the, the less is more thing. But I think what you're saying is, my point is that the details. Yeah. And being completely honest with yourself, is this really done? Yeah. And, and the whole less is more, it's like, cool. You could have less. Is it good? Yeah. <laughs> cool. You could have a super minimal say, but if things are not, that's where the inconsistencies, the things that are off will scream at you. Yeah. If you do have a less is more um, design or you want to go towards the minimal, then it, everything literally needs to be on point yeah. because it will scream at you if yeah. it's off. And that's why, that's why in a good way that you are, have that attention to detail because you know that if something's off, it is going to be loud and clear yeah. and bad. <laughs> so. And people will make fun of you. And so, and, and yeah. I, I want to bring that up too, because we talked about this. I've been, I recently have won my new site. I used to password protect my work. Um, I did because earlier on, I found people were stealing it um, and it irritated the effort out of me and we're talking like 2008 and 10. I'm not joking when I tell people like you basically, if if you were curious about hiring me, you contact me and I'll give you a password to my site to see my work. Um, But it was um, like now and the past few years with Austin Kleon, show your work. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it's important to show your work now in the process. I think more importantly, the process and all that stuff. Um, But with that comes everybody and their mom commenting about shit of like, you know, like we, like we uh, talked about how, how do you um, deal with that? Um, it's um, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like I'm still kind of getting, I mean, I've done work. I've done over 200 projects for many big name brands. Right. But I, I don't know if I'm insecure about like whatever, or just have to start developing and I have a thicker skin on certain things, but like, then I start second guessing myself. I'm like, is that dude right? Like, and and then I'm like, and then I get obsessed. Like, Oh shit. Like, do I need to change this? Do I need to? Um, so how do you, cause I think probably a lot of creative deal with that. Um, and oh, it yeah. forces people to not show their work. How do you overcome that? Well, first off, I was just talking to a friend last night about this and we, we're saying that when you show your work like that, even online with people and they actually see it, like there's actually more than just your mom looking at it, that it's a, it's vulnerable. It is. Yeah. And I completely agree with that. It feels like, okay, world, here you go. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> and they do. They really yeah. do. And it's so definitely it is like you feel exposed and, or I do, I feel exposed and vulnerable. And exactly. then I've, been learning though with people giving got a lot of opinions which is good and feedback and I as okay that's their opinion and that's their feedback now I might not like it I might disagree with it but I can look at it and say okay do they have a point do yeah. they have do should I look at whatever it is they're commenting on and really yeah. look at it now I I used to take everybody's opinion as like God's word, like, okay, yeah. oh, it's your opinion. Okay. I got to change. Yeah. But then I realized like, if I do that, I'm going to be water. Like I'm going to be nothing. Yeah. And 
I can't constantly change who I am or my work because someone had an opinion. So I'm trying to just take it and look at it and say, okay, that's your opinion or that's your feedback. I appreciate it. Thank you. And see, do they have, is there anything in there that I should, yeah, that's the truth that I should look at, but I don't have to take everything that comes to me as like, oh, I got to change everything. And that's helped because now I can just take an opinion and see if for what it is and you did or not, maybe they were right. And I didn't listen to it. And later on, it's like, well, I'll just change. Nothing is set in stone. Everything's a progress. It's a journey. And I, I used to try to get everything perfect before I would send it out to the world. And now I'm like, no, everything is in progress. So if you have an opinion, I'm going to take, I'm going to take a look at it because everything's in progress. Like it's not, I don't have to freak out that I did something wrong. Right. 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 Good stuff. So how, how have you, or have things changed? I think, um, well, so much has changed like in the world from like, I even look at like one or two years ago when we talked about this, everybody calls themselves a copywriter now. Um, how have you seen things change over like even the, since you were at Oakley, you know, I mean, and I'm kind of, I'm a, I'm a realist. I'm, I'm kind of optimistic, but I'm a realist. Um, I'd say I'm a realist more first than an optimist. Um, because I look back and like half of the agencies that I worked at prior to whatever, like gone. Like they're, mm-hmm. and I could look at that and be like, I know exactly why you can't treat people like a-holes anymore. Like some people have, and, um, they're just more selling what they think is right versus what actually works right in the marketplace. Um, how have you seen things change, um, over the years, like in your kind of world, what, what are some thoughts on that? Yeah. Every, everyone's a designer. Or everyone has a daughter or a niece that is a designer. (laughs) Um, That's, I feel like that's just been a growing thing just because of, it's this popular, it's a popular job to be in is being a designer. Um, And then people can, even if they weren't trained in it, they can just doodle around in the, the Adobe suite and then call themselves a designer, which is fine. Like whatever. I figure, you know, sure. There's more people that do it, but I know a lot of people complain about that, that, well, we can't get word because look, there's, it's saturated. Sure. It is saturated, but they're still going to be the people who will pay for the good, good people and the good agencies and the rest of them. They have options. Now all the people who want to pay below a hundred dollars for a logo, they have options now. Awesome. I have people that I can send them to. So that's one thing where it's it's saturated. It's definitely saturated. So it's changed, I think, how we get clients and how um, even people perceive us as designers and what we do. Um, The other thing, what was the, there was one other thing though. It was, yeah, it was the oversaturation. And then that's the, that's the main thing. There was something else, but I'm sure. Do you think, you know, and I, I told my, I told my wife, I said, um, because like, there's no like, um, you could put up a website. There's no barrier to entry. Do you know what I mean? There's no like regulation or, or anything like, you know, if you want to, um, put a car on the thing and sell it to people, like there's regulations that has to pass this or that. But I think with 
design or anything. You could literally put up a website for free, call yourself a designer. And as long as you get whoever to pay you a few bucks for it, you could call yourself a designer. Um, but one particular thing, one particular quote has influenced me that, um, that I use that says, you have to be the best at what you do or the only one doing it. Mm-hmm. So I know at least for me, I look at what everyone else is doing and, you know, copywriter friends, it's like a race to the bottom and all this other stuff. I think like, okay, these people are thinking that I want to have a higher price boutique position myself as more like a boutique ad firm. Um, but from strategy to concept, to research, to direction, actual execution, um, and have it actually look the part and have the work that does it, you know, why not? So I always, I always toy around being the best at what you do, which is somewhat subjective, um, but the only one doing it. And I think if you could have, if you could do those two things, um, yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. The other thing, and it kind of goes off of now, I remembered what I was going to say, cause you triggered it was that now there are a lot more people doing opening independent studios a lot yeah. more yeah. than there used to be. Whereas when I graduated school, it was like, okay, we're going to prep you to do your portfolio. Well, that's what we do. They did not teach us the business of design because they didn't assume that any of us were going to have our own businesses. And if we were, then it was probably going to be one of us out of how many hundreds that graduated. So yeah. they were always concerned with just get your portfolio done, get your resume out there, write your cover letter. And I always knew that I wanted to run my own business, but I didn't know how. And so over the years, learning how to freelance and then meeting Chris and learning the business side, um, that is a lot more accessible to people now and with what's online and the information that's coming online. So a lot more people I see are going off on their own, opening up independent studios. And and that is a big shift from when I started. That's massive. So what kind of tips, tricks, or advice would you give to like other creatives like you that maybe, you know, now, um, that you didn't know when you first started? And I would say find, if you can find a mentor, I know that's helped me with having a coach, a mentor. The second thing is then getting a community, like getting into a community, either that is Facebook groups, that's been great for me. Um, finding a group of people who are uh, doing the same thing you are and around the same level, like they're maybe charging around the same. Maybe you have some people who are charging more, but get a small group together if that's a mastermind group, if that is a Facebook group. Uh, maybe people you've graduated with or went to school with, um, find them because that has been a lifesaver for me. Like, my group will share our proposals or we'll ask each other like, Hey, I don't know how to onboard this client or how do I price out this job? And doing that alone, you only can get so far and you don't know, you don't know the things you don't know and being exposed to other people. Then you start asking like, well, how did you get there? Well, well, I see you do something different. How, how is that? Like it gives you a different perception because we only, we have a tunnel vision yeah. We only can see so much by ourselves. And so getting that community and then getting a coach so you can see your blind spots. Cause that's what, and that's what something I told Chris when we first talked, he's like, well, what's your biggest problem? And I said, well, I've got many, but one of them <laughs> is that I don't even know the questions to ask. Like I, yeah. I'm 
doing what I can, but then there's only so much because I don't even know what I'm supposed to, what it's supposed to look like. I've never worked at an ad agency. I've never worked at a smaller agency. So I want to run an agency yet. I've never worked at one. Yeah. I don't even know what to ask. So that's my biggest problem. I can't see, I can't see what I don't even know is there. Right. Right. So those two things, those are big. You'll learn a lot. Cool. Now for sure. Like mentor, like I had a mentor earlier on in my career and I can't like it helped tremendously. Like I didn't even, the first ad firm I was at, I remember we had a meeting and they were like talking about the creative brief and I sent him a thing. I was like, dude, what's a creative brief? Like, I need to know, like, I didn't even freaking know. Um, so it's huge. Um, so final question, what is the most unabashedly real and creative um, advice anyone has ever given you? Um, and you think someone else would kind of benefit from? Oh my gosh. That, that's a question I should have had before I came on the show. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's it. Now I'm blank. Now you got me like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like you got me you, yeah. in my brains, you know? And now it's, I'm stalled. Like, was there a, 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 a one particular thing? Like for me, my, Let me, tell me yours. Um, one of my first coaches had said, cause I was, you know, I was, I grew up like the starving artist. Um, and he said, you know, people can fall in love so much with what could be instead of accepting the reality of what is. And, mm. um, and I was talking to someone yesterday, one, one of the guys I had on the show and he was saying, you know, um, you know, this could work out and this could be, this would be great. And this could, and I got so many things and like, you know, what, what does work, what could work out. So many people sell people on what could work out like every effing thing, you know, you could do this. You can make a million dollars. You can make, you know, you could go off on your own and make a hundred thousand dollars. You could have your own agency and make millions of dollars. All you need is just one client, right? What you could do and what, and, and what the reality of the situation is now. Yeah, you can, you could, the reality of the situation right now is like, I have this coming in, you know, I know these people, this person is hiring me for work, you know? So that, that kind of like hit home for me because, you know, I'm a, a Gary Vanderchuk fan. I know a lot of people like him, don't like him, but I think, um, you know, he says it's, it's really easy to start a company and lose money, like, and, and not make any money. Anybody could do that, but to start something and that actually makes money, um, something entirely different. Yeah. Oh gosh. That's good. That is good. Can't have something. Thank you <laughs> okay. Wait. Me time. Everyone. You. <laughs> um, this is something actually Chris just shared with our group recently. And he was saying that, I don't know if he heard it or he was telling the story, but that in, in, um, poor areas, like the people will not for, and I'm telling this totally wrong. Yeah, that's fine. But the, you'll get the, we'll get the punchline. Yeah. Is that they, because they don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. They don't know what's going to come up. So they buy the right bananas so they can eat it right now. Mm. Right. So it's like, don't, don't just wait. Or so he was talking about us, like, don't grab the green banana, like grab the yellow one, like do something now. Like just 
don't wait, get it out there, whether that's launching your business, launching your work, like stop talking about it, planning on it, just do something and then iterate, like just do it. And so I just have the idea of the green banana, like don't, don't grab the green banana. I like it. I like it. <laughs> you, never know. you never know what's going to happen. So just like, and if yeah. you had started it's that whole thing of like, if you would have started this a year ago, you would have been, it's that whole yeah. idea. do something, get it out and work, you know, fix it later. Clean it up later. Perfect. Don't buy the green banana. Don't eat the green banana. And <laughs> don't eat the green banana. Don't even look at it. <laughs> I like it. Makes total sense. And the the idea that like you know, waiting for it to get ripe is just uh, you know, makes yeah. total sense. Yeah. Well, thanks for talking to me. Thanks for having it's me. It's really cool to like chat when we talk about it, it's always like hey we for those that don't know we were working on each other's sites and launch around the same time it's weird i've i've never done that before where people are just like right at the same time launching stuff and working on stuff um but anyway thank you so much for being on the unabashedly real creative show um yeah it's been awesome cool. but i hope people got a chance to get little tidbits of information and uh, we'll put links and stuff like that in the show notes um, until um, know, until next time, I guess. And we'll talk soon, I'm sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Bye, guys.